Welcome to Dairy Stream, brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations that fight for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. Dairy Stream focuses on issues affecting the dairy community and our customers. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Austin. Well, welcome once again to Dairy Stream. It certainly is very nice of you to join us once again as we try to give you some insight of what's happening on the dairy front, especially in light of what's happening as well with COVID-19 and its various impacts. And today we're taking a, a different angle as we talk about a real key aspect of the dairy industry as far as its growth and its future, and that is research and product development. And certainly a person that knows a lot about that is John Lucy. He's the director of Center for Dairy Research and also a professor at food science at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And if you're not familiar with the Center for Dairy Research, it's located within a licensed operated dairy plant on the University of Wisconsin-Madison campus and is one of the premier dairy research centers in the United States. More than 30 researchers and scientists are involved, and the CDR is funded by dairy farmers through the Dairy Checkoff Program and partners such as the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin and the Dairy Research Institute. And John, we certainly do appreciate your time and your expertise. And as we said, we're trying to look at how COVID-19 is impacting all aspects of the dairy industry, including research. So maybe you can tell us, has COVID-19 changed the direction at all for the Center for Dairy Research? I would say it's a yes and no answer in terms of overall direction. What I mean by that is we've had to obviously, like everybody else, as a as a facility on campus, we've had to mostly close down operations within the building. We've kept essential staff there, and we're slowly getting some of our activities back going again under safe protocols that have to be approved by campus. So we are back doing cheese research again, and we are back having limited research work going on in the lab. But the vast majority of our staff are working from home, just like many other facilities around there. So from that perspective, uh, we are in a, in, a, in a change mode, all right? Can you explain a little bit in what areas you are doing research or have been doing research? Yeah, they're, they're, but I, I, would, I would point out first that the center does a variety of things. We are the largest educator of, peop- of people who work in our dairy plants. So that means the cheese makers, the pasteurizer operators, the ice cream makers, etc. We we train probably somewhere in the region of about 1,200 people a year come into Babcock Hall for our training courses. And they need the training courses, obviously, to operate the equipment, but also the past required licenses. And in the state of Wisconsin, you're, um, there's a lot of licenses that are required before you can run and operate many of our dairy plants and facilities and we do that. We also do research and those fall into two kind of buckets. We support somewhere in the region between on an annual basis between 10 to 15 graduate students, that's master's and PhD, but we also have more than 20 projects, uh, research projects that we're doing with companies. So a lot of companies will come directly to us and say, we'd love to develop a new specialty cheese or I have this whey product and I want to do something more value added with it. Can you help us and develop up a process for it. So every year we do a lot of research for both students and for what I would call for, you know, for more basic um, research. And then we're doing very applied research projects for companies as well. 
And the other bucket for what we do is we spend a lot of time directly supporting our uh, dairy companies here in Wisconsin, and we have over 200 of them. With all sorts of technical product development issues, our technical queries that they have, most of our dairy plants around the state, our cheese plants, etc., they have they don't have a lot of technical folks there. They have more manufacturing folks there. So when they hit into run into issues, they usually call us immediately and say, "What do you think? And can I get the best guidance, best advice, or how am I going to solve this defect or this problem?" So we're working in all of those kinds of spaces. We're spending time with John Lucy. He is the director for the Center for Dairy Research, and we are talking a little bit about not only what they do, but in particular what happens when it comes to research. And on that level, John, can you kind of explain to us a little bit the timeline of a research project, what it kind of looks like, and did COVID-19 change anything there? Yes. Well, one of the things I want to highlight here is that we have for the last maybe four or five years, we've had a series of research projects looking at ways to extend the shelf life of cheese. And originally that concept or that approach was really driven out of the need for the U.S. to start exporting more of its cheese globally. We currently in the U.S. export about 5% of our cheese production, which is a very small fraction. For some of our powders, our milk and whey powders, we might export more than 50% of everything we produce here in the U.S. So there's been a national priority made for export from organizations such as the U.S. Dairy Export Council, we're back down at how do we do that? Because if you want to make mozzarella, for example, here in Wisconsin, that usually will have a shelf life um, and be good for use in pizza, you know, maybe two months or something like that. And that's probably fine if you're only making it here in Wisconsin and shipping it to Chicago or New York or somewhere. But if you're shipping that cheese to China or someplace like that, you're going to need a lot more time, maybe six months more, maybe nine months more of shelf life, because there's a lot of time to get it from Wisconsin to the export market. And then in that marketplace and in that distribution, there's a lot more time required. So to do that is a huge paradigm shift for our cheese plants. So we've had a series of projects looking at ways to extend the shelf life, including changes that could be very easy to operate within a plant, just changes in make procedure. We've also looked at new technologies that are coming out in some of other sectors of the food and beverage industry, such as high-pressure processing. If you ever bought some of the you know, guacamole spreads or some of the new um, high-protein juices and smoothies and, and so on, and some of the sliced meats, they're using a technology called high-pressure processing, which after you make cheese, you sub, uh, uh, submit it to a very high pressure, and it actually kills off a lot of enzymes and bacteria, and you get a long shelf life. It's used in other sectors, but not so much in the dairy sector, and we've, we've been looking at that technology technology as well and could be applied. Uh, We've also looked at technologies around what we are calling super chilling. Basically, it's a fancy way to say, how low can our refrigeration systems go uh, before we freeze the cheese? Because if we freeze some cheeses, it damages the texture and quality of the cheese. And and it's, it's about refrigeration that's much lower than normal refrigeration. We call it super chilling, but that has the potential to add several months of shelf life and high quality shelf life to a lot of the cheeses we make. So we've been exploring 
these kind of technologies and then trying to figure out will it work for different varieties like cheddar or gouda or mozzarella or cream cheese or others. And these are all major cheese varieties that we produce. And also, coincidentally, they're also major varieties that we export as well from the U.S. and could grow if we could we could solve the shelf life issue. Fortunately for, for us, there's a lot of great and exciting results and we've demonstrated a large increase in shelf life. We've had mozzarellas that we could store for over a year and still shred it and work well on pizza. We've been able to turn around and apply that to the current pandemic because right now, with the shock to the system through the food service and through retail um, supply chain issues, cheese plants don't have all the markets they once had. For example, it's estimated that about 40% of cheese that we produce ends up in the food service sector one way or another, either directly or indirectly. But as we know, last stats I saw a couple of weeks ago, could be up to 50% of all restaurants here in Wisconsin were closed. The other 50% are obviously doing curbside pickups, etc. But very greatly reduced food service use of cheese. So we've been working with our plants to talk to them about you could make this cheese, you could store it, it doesn't need to be sold today, you might have a market for it in six months or nine months, and maybe we can think about exporting. So that's kind of one of our tactics and, and something we've been working very heavily with, uh, with, with the cheese and dairy industry. And for example, to get the word out, almost immediately after this COVID situation hit us and, and we had you know a lot of disruptions to everyday life, including the, the dairy sector, we put on a webinar specifically on this topic, sharing all the great research we've done and, and talking about all the different cheeses and the different strategies. We had over 500 different companies and individuals sign up for that webinar. And we have been working with probably somewhere in the region between 30 to 50 companies just on applying those technologies, our learnings from those technologies back to their plants. So uh, it's just one of the things that the plants are going through is, well, maybe I need to ship some of this or maybe I need to treat this in some way uh, because there just wasn't enough markets right now or, or in the last month or so, uh, and they dried up with the food service. And, and we're looking for ways to extend that out. Obviously, if the federal government has been coming to the situation of buying um, dairy products, so we've been looking at, obviously, that's a huge um, way to to become a new customer if you like for the products we produce so we're in that mix um, and in, in a way it's kind of fortunate that we were doing all that research which but it was really driven by exports but we were able to quickly apply that to the current situation very interesting indeed as again you're listening to dairy stream our guest today is john lucy director of the center for dairy research and professor of food science at the university of wisconsin madison and as you use the extended shelf life which is certainly critical uh, to the dairy industry and a product like cheese. And you mentioned its impact with COVID-19 and how that's really worked hand in hand. But you did start this project prior. And just to give people a kind of example of the process you're going through, when you decide on pursuing a particular project or some kind of work you're doing, how does that process work? How do you decide what direction you want to go? There are a lot of different inputs into that. Um, for example, in our work to extend the shelf life of cheese, the U.S. Dairy Export Council announced an initiative to to try to increase the amount of our milk components or milk equivalents that were exported up to 20%, and they had an ambitious goal of five years to do it. That percolated down to the research organizations like us. What can we do to help them achieve that kind of target? Because obviously some of it is going to be 
see what kind of new solutions or new technologies or innovations we can bring around to actually make this. It's, it's one thing to say you'll do it, but the other thing is how do we actually get around to actually helping the plants do that? So that's one example of a, what I would call a policy or a goal that then we try and come up with ideas about how could we actually do that? What t- types of techniques we could apply? The second is we also look at other sectors, whether it's, for example, high pressure was is very popular in the sliced meats. Hormel and many other companies are using it for extending shelf life of meats. And we looked at that and said, how could it be applied into the dairy sector and where would it be a benefit and what kind of opportunities would that provide to us? So we, we also look across the food science and the food products um, scheme to see that. Another major way we, we get lots of ideas is that we do, as I mentioned, a lot of training and short courses. And every day my staff are on the phone and they would have been visiting plants, but obviously that's not practical right now. But every day they're on the phone and interacting and discussing issues, topics, and challenges with our dairy plants. And from those interactions, many of our staff come back and say, gee, this is this is a big issue or a big topic or a big challenge. And have we any ideas to solve it by research or innovation? And that we, we brainstorm internally and come up with ideas based on those kind of challenges and say, look, we, we, we better do a project on that. What would we look at and what kind of things would we think it? So we have a small research team made of scientists, and we, we're very fortunate to have some of the best scientists in the world actually working at our center, and we're very fortunate to have that. And we, we basically brainstorm with our staff to come up with ideas or solutions for it. And, and that that is another key way that we come up with uh, research projects. Again, we're very fortunate today to have John Lucy as our guest, director of the Center for Dairy Research. Coming up after our break, we're going to be talking about the Babcock Hall building projects and exports. What are we doing to help enhance that market? All that coming up. And we'll be right back with our Dairy Stream podcast after we hear from our sponsor. Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin exists to be a tireless advocate, marketer, and promoter for Wisconsin dairy farmers and to drive demand for Wisconsin dairy products. The organization represents Wisconsin farm families and works to increase the sale and consumption of Wisconsin milk and dairy products, as well as build trust in dairy farmers and the industry. Organizational initiatives include generating national publicity, managing digital advertising, and driving sales, distribution, and trials through retail and food service promotions. Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin also supports in-school education about the benefits of dairy and funding for the Center for Dairy Research at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. For more information, visit wisconsindairy.org. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Dairy Stream, a service of the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. Our guest today is John Lucy. He's the director for the Center for Dairy Research and the professor of food science at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. We've been talking about COVID-19 and its impact and some of the research is being done and also giving you a better insight into all the things they do at the Center for Dairy Research. And of course, the key aspect of what you do is the location you're in, and that's the Babcock Hall. What about the building project? Uh, How will the new facility really allow for expanded capabilities and offerings from uh, CDR? We're we're super excited, and I I know the industry and everybody who's been involved in this project are just super excited and and overjoyed to see the project very, very quickly get towards a a phase where we'll be moving in. The plan right now is that the addition 
will be almost entirely done by the end of the year. There may be a couple of equipment that hasn't arrived yet, but by the end of this year, most of the functions and operations within the new CDR edition will be available. There is some remodeling of the existing Babcock Hall facility that will then occur next year. In, in terms of expanded capabilities, some of the ones that are probably very exciting for us, obviously specialty cheese is a huge thing here in Wisconsin. It went from a very small beginnings in the 1980s, probably a couple of percent of our production with specialty cheese to probably be close to about 25% of all production here in Wisconsin is specialty. And you could you, you could use the word specialty, but I look at it as value-added cheese. To really support that for the next coming decade and maybe decades beyond it, we have really focused in our new facility around specialty cheese. What that means is we have designed into our facility nine caves. Well, actually, they're um, special temperature-controlled and humidity-controlled rooms that are miniature caves and within those rooms we can make any kind of specialty cheese that you could imagine whether it's a white mold a blue mold a smear an alpine style all the cool cheeses that you see on the store we're making many of them now here in wisconsin and and we don't have to import them from overseas but we don't know a lot about all of them yet and there are many more to make and at babcock hall we did not have any specialty cheese rooms or caves to do this work now we're going to have nine of them and they're designed to be for different styles and types of cheeses so that's super exciting that facility will be unique there is the only kind of facilities like that globally are a couple of them in the french dairy schools so we want to really be challenging for specialty cheese in the decades to come so that's really super i think that's a centerpiece of of what we wanted to do in this facility the other thing we're very um excited about is we wanted to have a range of different cheese making technologies to be modern and to be like what our cheese plants have both from the enclosed vats that people have to the copper line vats that some people are using here for making this the european alpine kind of style cheeses to state-of-the-art cheeses uh, cheese vat and cheese making equipment to really train the next generation of our cheese makers and master cheese makers so there was a big focus on that in the facility as well but we didn't forget about the fact that we also want to grow other product areas beyond cheese and so a whole floor of the new cdr edition is focused on a brand new dryer which is a way to make milk powders that can help us get into we had a small dryer but this one will help us make more high-end ingredients like infant formulas etc and that specialized dryer is is really going to be a centerpiece of making these new kind of value-added ingredients from both whey and from milk and we've also put in fermentation equipment because we've all seen the growth of yogurt and greek yogurt over the last decade and and that's a big segment and we have a number of facilities and plants for both cream cheese here in the state and yogurt here in the state we probably don't pay that much attention to it as the general public but we wisconsin also is very strong in the cultural products and we look at that as an area of growth for the future and lastly we got um, money from the wedc as well as dairy farmers of wisconsin last year to help us install some beverage innovation equipment and we all we all hear the stories about less people drinking the gallon jug of milk or fluid milk but there's also a lot of innovation that we need to do and that's in the milk space and we're putting in small pilot scale equipment to do all kinds of beverages, including beverages that are aseptic, which means that they don't need refrigerated storage. Think about your kids' um, juice boxes and things like that that can sit out on the counter and don't need to sit in the, in the refrigerator unless you want them to. So we have a whole bunch of areas 
that we're focused on, but we're not forgetting about training. And there's a, a new auditorium going in there and training program because obviously all of this research and all of this work will not be productive for the industry unless we get the information back to our plans to short courses, workshops, and training. So that's also a huge part of it. And we're putting in a new auditorium custom made just for industry training in there as well. So lots going on is all I can tell you. And, and I know that's why everybody's really excited to to finally see this come to fruition. Well, John, your enthusiasm is infectious, and I can see why the industry is so excited about this. It's really going to be a state-of-the-art facility that, as you said, will allow you multiple opportunities to expand the great job you're already doing. Our time, unfortunately, zooms by kind of quickly, and I still want to talk a little bit about exports because they are so important uh, to the U.S. dairy industry. We are now in a global market, have been for several decades. When you talk about that export and the potential for it, uh, how is CDR developing new ideas that can help us get a bigger share of the export market. For, for cheese, I really focused on the fact that one of the angles we're taking is how to, to extend the shelf life of our curtain cheeses so that we can get add months, maybe six months or more on the standard shelf life for a cheese. Because if you're selling a cheese like a cheddar or um, mozzarella to go on pizza, it still must shred in, uh, in that market when it needs to and melt and perform what they need it to do. The other thing we're doing also is beyond looking at extending shelf life, we've also been pioneering here in the U.S different ways to make cheese to really gear up and help us get into some of these markets. What I mean by that is gouda that's not made like the Dutch make it. I spent a year after I'd finished my PhD in a, in a Dutch university and toured a lot of the Dutch um, cheese plants and so on. But this would be a gouda and Dutch style cheeses made with American equipment and American type of technology and facilities that we have available to us. But how do we get similar characteristics in terms of flavor and consistency? Because globally, gouda cheese or howda cheese goes into a lot of mac and cheese and other kind of dishes globally and it's a huge cheese but one we can make here if we can match the kind of profile of flavor and consistency and, and we have projects going on here just towards that uh, as well a completely different angle for us too is we've been trying to figure out maybe we sell and export powders or very custom ingredients that we can ship to let's say to latin america or to asia and then they would rehydrate this specialized powder into a cheese so it's basically a way to we ship, ship the ingredients to them and they convert it in a very simple fashion into cheese there. But again, it locks them into buying our powders here in the U.S. because it would be custom and highly proprietary. We actually have some very exciting research in there about breakthroughs in how to make these kind of powders and, and make these kind of cheeses and what we're calling next generation powders for cheese and for exports. But we wouldn't make the cheese here. We'd make the powder here. It's easy to ship powders. They're locked shelf life and they're easy to ship because you're not shipping water and then overseas the company who would buy this powder would convert it into a simple cheese there that kind of model the irish are doing and others are doing globally as well and we have some very interesting technologies around that to help us as well you know, John, we try to look for optimistic aspects when we've been doing these special broadcasts, especially dealing with COVID-19. But with everything you provided today, I think there's a lot of reasons for optimism. But as we get near the end of this conversation, I just want to get back to COVID-19. And in your opinion, do you envision any long-term effects, either good or bad, on your efforts now due to this crisis? 
Well, it's uncertain how, obviously, how fast uh, the food service sector will pick up. I think there was an immediate kind of rush of demand on dairy and it affected the supply chain quickly on. But I think there's some food service sectors are starting to pick up and some demand in that sector will pick up. Also, exports have been strong for the U.S., maybe because prices were low here in the U.S., but exports have picked up. And I think that will eventually stabilize and pick up because obviously dairy is highly nutritious. We make high quality products here. So I, I see export continuing to grow. Uh, we have some challenges in some markets. So I see exports available. I see food service slowly opening up. I also think that the retail sector has a lot of interesting things uh, that can be done there too. We have actually have research projects here that are looking at cheese snacks and, and getting into another part of the store to make us less dependent on the food service sector and give further opportunity. So COVID will have an impact on our plants and we've been working very carefully with our partners to give guidance to them, uh, uh, to the plants about how to operate in this new environment and a new normal and about what to do if somebody tests positive and how to limit that and how to restrict that and how to have best practices. So I think it's going to affect our operating environment with implants for sure. And it has had a very dramatic immediate effect on both milk supply and price. But in the longer term, I think dairy is a highly nutritious product. We make excellent quality products. We will figure this out and we will go forward and be strong. I'm very optimistic about that. John Lucy, director of the Center for Dairy Research, and he has certainly given us a lot to think about and a lot to be optimistic about. Uh, John, if people do want to learn more about what CDR is doing and what resources you have, what's your suggestion? Where's the best route to go? They can go to our website, which is uh, www.cdr.wisc.edu. One other thing I want to highlight to the farming community is that we partnered up with the Wisconsin um, Cheesemakers Association, and we formed something called the Dairy Business Innovation Alliance. And this alliance received a federal grant last year out of the Farm Bill to a, an amendment that Tammy Baldwin uh, put in. But that partnership is really to help the dairy farmers and the, and the people who are thinking about moving into making a dairy product um, on farm are getting into that business. And and we have a website now that's linked from our CDR website. And we will be doing regional, we were supposed to do regional seminars, but I guess there'll be webinars or online this summer and really talking to farmers about opportunities and challenges and ideas and support if they want to get into uh, making something on site. And there's also some grants available to it. So we are focused on not only just on existing cheese plants, but is there opportunities for dairy farmers to become more entrepreneurial and take on some new business? Businesses. So I would say that people who are listening to this and have an interest in that, please go to the CDR website. There's a whole link to what we're talking about there and how to get involved in that activity as well. Well, John, it's been great talking with you. That's John Lucy. He's the director for the Center for Dairy Research. And even though the name is Center for Dairy Research, it's so much more. And I just appreciate the fact that John's given us so many insights of what really happens there and what will be happening uh, once the Babcock Hall building project is done and all the possibilities and all the potential and all the pluses it's going to be sharing for the dairy industry. A good story to share, and we're glad we got to share it today on Dairy Stream. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, just email us podcast at dairyforward.com. 